Welcome everyone to the Dining on a Dime podcast, where we give you tips on how to save on your monthly food budget. Now we give you the absolute best foodie news, and our professionals will give you recipes and cooking tips. So let's get the show started. All right, everyone, welcome to Dining on a Dime, back in our professional studios. Here's what you're going to hear today, first 30 minutes. Author, financial expert, Mark Bernstein, he has the book, The Fiscal Therapy Solution. And we're going to talk about the pandemic and the restaurant industry. I'm sure a lot of people are, you know, worried about the financial uh, future of the restaurant industry. 30 minutes later, you are going to hear from our very own master chef, Gene Blum, who has cooked for the Pope. He's cooked for the NFL players at the Super Bowl. We're going to give you some cooking tips for basic food, hamburgers, eggs. He's going to teach you some tricks in that area. Then, 45 minutes into the podcast, we have Chef Rocco Gelelli. He is uh, the main man at Innovative Catering Concepts in Williamstown, New Jersey. And they are famous for being the actual catering company to that cooks for the players in the Super Bowl. Let's get started. Mark Bernstein is on the line. Mark, how are you? I'm doing great, Kevin. Pleasure to be back with you. Oh, you are one of our favorite guests. Let's talk about the restaurant industry. Let's talk about the pandemic. What about the finances with the restaurant industry? What what do you what are you looking at, Mark? What are your thoughts? Well, look, it's hard to say. And there's so many, as you know, there's so many different types of restaurants, so many different situations. There's big ones, there's small ones. Some have really figured it out. We were just talking where I live. There's a there's a little BYOB near me that specializes in Mediterranean food that are booming. You know, people line up for takeout food because they've they've got a good following and they figured it out. As you guys all know, I mean, some some restaurants are doing a lot of curbside service. Some are doing not much business. Some have indoor seating at limited capacities, depending on what state they're in and what the regulations are. Um, others are reinventing themselves. I'm actually planning uh, to go out to Zahav in Center City one of these days, soon, which is which is you know one of the top restaurants in Philly that has yurts that you can eat in. Yeah, you know that, I, and I've heard it's a great experience, and people are having you know wonderful time there. But, you know, I'm afraid and, you know, I don't think it's any surprise that we're going to lose a lot of restaurants in the course of all this. That's a shame. And, uh, and Mark, yeah, I want to uh, make sure everyone knows your book is The Fiscal Therapy Solution. Uh, yes. Let's talk about the reason you're here is because let's talk about your book for a little bit and then we'll tie it into the uh, conversation about the restaurants. Sure. So you'd like me to talk about it. So it's, uh, briefly, the book is about how to approach your, you know, your financial situation, your money issues, you know, everybody has money issues. People that have a lot of money have money issues. People that don't have much money have obviously have issues, you know, money kind of, you know, makes most of our worlds go around. So it's, it's important in a lot of ways. People have a lot of thoughts and different relationships with money. So the book gets into that and compares, um, the process of financial planning, the way I do it to, um, you know, to other types of therapies, like, you know, it's a play on fiscal therapy, obviously. 
or physical therapy. I'm sorry, it is physical therapy. <laughs> I, I get confused. So it's so it's uh, so to physical therapy and also to you know therapy therapy. You know, like with a psychologist or a family therapist or something like that. My wife happens to be a family therapist, so I say I live in therapy. But um, but you know, so there's so rather than. You know, most of the financial world, which truthfully I think has it wrong, financial services, the industry promotes the selling of products and everybody packages products and, and most of the products are good. Packaged financial products got us in a lot of trouble in the great recession of 08, 09 and at other times in our histories. But, but most of the products are good. So let's assume that they're good. The question is not usually the product. The question is, is it the right product? Is it the right solution? And when people ask me, and I've gotten a lot of these calls lately from people I know or that have, um, you know, they've gotten my book or they've called about different things and they say, should I buy this annuity or what type of life insurance should I get? Or I have $25,000. What should I do with it? Sound familiar? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the answer is, I have no clue. You know, <laughs> Until I know more about you and until I understand your situation and your tolerance for risk and your, you know, if it's life insurance, you know, who do you love that you want to benefit from that? Who do you care about or what debt do you want to pay off for? So there is no way to answer that. And most people in the financial business know that and they ask certain questions and they say, OK, this is the product you should get. I'm not criticizing that, but I think. The way I'd prefer to approach it, and I think the way that our clients have found it to be most effective is to is to slow down and to really figure out what tell me about your life. What are you looking for? What's the end game? What's gonna make you happy? What's your vision? I often ask one of my favorite questions is about your three-year vision, because that's long enough that people can see out that far and not too long that they can't. Um, and it gives me a sense of where they want to head in their life. And until I know all that, I don't know how you answer those questions. You know, when I started in the business, I would, I'm, I'm an attorney by background. I'm a musician before that. So I have some, you know, I have a creative side. And what I really learned in law school more than anything else is the Socratic method. You know, how do you, how do you, you know, how to ask questions and how to, how to, you know, dig further, how to, you know, cross-examine, how to take a deposition. So, what 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 our process is about is really asking questions, going into discovery, learning about our clients, getting to know them long before we start making any product recommendations or solutions. Yeah, that's and smart. A lot, times, the, a lot of times the answer is not even products. It's like maybe rearranging your business or maybe it's, you know, different agreements you have to have or new estate documents. Um, you know, th there's a lot of different issues it could be. But there's a chance it might also involve implementation through the use of some financial products. But to me, it's way too early after just meeting someone to make those kind of recommendations. I just real quickly had a fraternity brother of mine call me in the last couple of weeks and asked me about a particular annuity product. And I said, I'd love to answer it, but I can't. Do you want to back up? And I so we had another meeting. I asked him a lot of questions. We had another meeting and his wife got on just yesterday. And they agreed to move forward the process. And they said, you know, we didn't know, but this is what we need because we see why you were reluctant to answer those questions before.
So that, that's really what the book is about, and it describes that process. And my, what I advocate for is people to have a process to figure that out before they start making those decisions. Otherwise, they end up with what I call a lot of stuff in their financial attic that may not fit together, that may not work the way they want it to, or they don't really have a plan for how they're going to use those items or those assets down the road. And that's, that's in, in essence, what the book is about. It's also about people's attitudes and thoughts about money and the relationship with money. Now, <clears throat> Mark, speaking of the relationship with money, um, your family history, you guys actually had to face a very devastating um, situation within your family business. Your father did. Uh, now, you saw him grow his business. Like you read the book. Yeah, he did. <laughs> now, your father grew his business again. And we, you know, not not obviously it's not the same situation because it was fire versus um, our a pandemic, but a lot of business owners are facing a detriment right now because of the pandemic. Uh, what would you recommend in order for them to begin a process of rehabilitating themselves financially in this environment? Yeah, see, again, hard, hard question to answer generically because everybody's situation is going to be different. Um, what I'll tell you is what I learned from my father's situation, some of what I learned from it, and maybe you can apply it to this. Um, what, what happened there, just real quickly, was that he got a call that the business he was in, the warehouse he was in, he was in the greeting card business, um, was on fire. So he, we hopped in the car with him. I think it was my brothers and I. I remember standing next to him. I'm not sure who else was there. And we got there, and the fire was pretty much out, but... There was still water going onto the fire and there was smoke coming out of the building. So in that type of business, what wasn't ruined by fire was ruined by you know, smoke and water. And you could, I could just see he was devastated. I mean, he had built that business working seven days a week, probably spent the last 15 years at it. If I recall, 15 to 18, I was, I was 17 and I think you know, I'd say 15 years, 15 strong years he'd been building the business. And he was getting to the point where he could start taking it easy. And, you know, we started talking about what was going on and what he was thinking about. And he said that, um, you know, he knew he meant to re-up his property casualty, putting his fire insurance. And he hadn't done that. He hadn't gotten around to it. And he knew that he was in trouble. He was going to be in a hole because of that. And the long story is, he, you know, he thought about getting out of the business. He thought about hanging it up and getting a job, thought about moving from Philadelphia to Kansas City, where the greeting card companies were. He had a job offer. In the end, he decided not to do that, and he decided to come back. And what he had to do, and this might be a lesson for the restaurants, was he decided the only way it was going to work was he had to, based on his overhead, because he had to move out of that building into bigger space, higher overhead, Work had to be done to the building. Our our family and our community really helped with that. You know, there's a lot of manual labor people put in, and and uh, but you know he but he had a challenge in front of them. In front of him, and his goal was he had to triple the size of his business. So in his in his situation, that meant expanding his territory. He was usually around Philadelphia. I remember he expanded up to like North Jersey and down to Delaware. You know, expanded his territory, and his his customers were sort of corner stores. 
back then. There were a lot of them. There's still some exist, but that was a big market back then. So he was like a niche below like a Hallmark or American Indian, that kind of thing. And, you know, and there weren't enough of them around. And in fact, he said it was a dying business, which would turn out to be true, but it took longer than he thought. But it, the only way to increase it was to go geographically further and to find more of those kind of customers. So he did that. And he eventually came back I mean, to put him, I think, many years behind his plan. He eventually was able to do that. So I think, look, it's not just restaurants. I mean, we've had to recreate our own business. Lots of people. Yeah. You know, my business is based on face-to-face meetings. Let's talk about that real quick. You are a financial expert. Tell us about that, your business. Well, my, my business is meeting with clients and having the kind of, kind of conversations we're talking about. Nice. And then building their plans and helping them implement their plans. So, so to, you know, but that's, that's, that's a belly to belly face to face type of meeting. And honestly, I've had, um, you know, I have partners that are younger and they probably have more face to face meetings than I have had in the last year, but you know, I'm, we've been pretty conservative about it. Maybe I've had five meetings in the last year in person. They've almost all been on zoom. I had started zoom meetings before that, but they were, a rarity now they're you know i've got five of them a day at least and they're um or phone calls you know but we, we just had to go about it a different way i also have to market in my business and that was usually again face-to-face meetings going out to lunch networking meeting people so that's now become i've had a series of web conversations called financial leadership in turbulent times I'm in different groups that I'm involved with online, and that's brought some business. I'm developing some new series for specific specific target markets of business owners that I work with. So I've had to recreate my business. So I believe that restaurant owners are going to have to reinvent their business. My father kind of reinvented it too, not just in terms of his territory, but he had to he had to make changes in the way he made deliveries, and the way he made service calls, and his internal processes. And I think that that's what people are going to have to think. And I think everyone's situation is different. It depends. As you know, there's all different types of, you know, there's lunch counter businesses. There's there's uh, three meals a day businesses. There are places that are only open for dinner. There are places that have large seating areas that maybe need to downsize. There are, you know, there's all kind, you know, there's all different kind of things. The things that I've done in these web conversations is help people focus on what's their three-year vision from where they are today. So today they're not where they were a year ago. So the question is from where you are today, what's your three-year vision? What do you have to do? My father happened to be three years. The three-year vision was to triple the size of his business. So what, so helping them think about what they're going to need to do to get to where they need to get to. And then, um, you know, what's in the way of that is the next question we ask. And then what to do about it. And when you talk about what to do about it, you have to look about offense and defense. Just like a good, you know, football or basketball team, you got to have offense and defense or baseball, you know, pretty much any sport. And and figuring out what's the proper balance. Because too much offense can be too much risk. Too much defense can prevent growth. You know, if you if you think about it, those terms in the traditional way. And, you know, how do you balance the two and develop a plan around that? 
So I wish I had one answer to your question. Right. Well, but it really depends on their circumstances, but that's the way to think about it in my mind. You know, Mark, I love your you know description of the packaged financial products versus your very common sense personal approach, and I really strongly love your idea of what you do. And I think one of the biggest things that's affecting the restaurant and hospitality industry right now is that attitude that one size fits all. As you know, we get the Restaurants Act, which is going to help financially the restaurant industry, but it doesn't address other industries such as the catering and events industry, which their issues are going to be much longer. You know, as somebody who's working with restaurants and, and also with caterers more you know, we have to survive where we're at now. We have to rebuild and we have to thrive again. And that thriving is really going to be based on consumer confidence. So while restaurants may open in May or June and we may get some numbers where they can start to see growth again, you know, the wedding industry, the events industry, we're probably looking at 2023 before we build some consumer confidence. You know, with Farley in the city of Philadelphia pretty much telling us, don't expect anything dramatic. I mean, they, they give us 100 people outside today, but we're in February. So let's real be yeah. realistic about what that is. Is there any advice from, you know, looking at contracts, looking at payments, there's anything that you can talk to about some of these big caterers that are really just sitting empty right now. You know, so much of that in the city of Philadelphia and the suburbs, somebody like Drexelbrook Catering in Delaware County with yeah. a 1,200 person ballroom that's sitting empty. I know, very familiar with them, yeah. Yeah, do I have an answer? <laughs> so let's start with the fact that I'm not a food industry expert, although I've worked with many in the food industry over time. Um, and I look. I, I I think it's I think it's a tough one. The only thing I can say is, you know, my advice to them would be to brainstorm with smart people like you guys who follow the food industry, and and maybe people like me that are in the financial industry, and really think through. Like, okay, we're not going to be doing large events. There's nothing we can do about that. We obviously can't keep our staff on. You know, I'm familiar with many businesses that have, you know, downsized to almost nothing in terms of staff in the meantime. But what are we set up to do? What can we do differently? Is, you know, could we package things? So I'll give you an example. I belong to a country club, right? That's, that's their, they are really in the catering business. And their golf business, I don't have to tell you, has been phenomenal this past year because people, <laughs> it was a way to get outside, right? Our membership was way down and then all of a sudden they're full of members. They, you know, they can't, they're not selling any more memberships, but, but they're still, I don't know this for a fact, but they're probably still losing money because most of the profits in those kind of businesses come from events, right? Correct. So what are they doing? So they're doing things like um, they have special um, like Sundays where they have packaged events for groups. So if you're getting family together, you have a large group of family, come pick up and for a fixed price per person, come pick up curbside delivery and you can take all this stuff home, you know, to, um, you know, to your families, right? So if I were Drexelbrook, maybe I'd think about, you know, they're in a pretty dense area and a, and a lot of people know them, they're well known in their area. Maybe I would start marketing and saying, Hey, look, your family gatherings, even if you're remote and they're in the area, give us three addresses. And if there's five people per home, 
will deliver the, you know, the 15 meals or, or at a lesser price, you can come pick them up and you, um, you know, you text us when you get here, and we're going to put the food in the car for you, or we're going to deliver it right to your car. I mean, so I, I think there are ways to do it. I don't know all the answers, but I'm just brainstorming as, you know, as we're, and, you know, and if I can come up with, with new ideas or different ideas, then certainly people that are familiar with the industry can, but, but they're going to have to think out the box, outside the box. There's no way to, no other way to do that. That is absolutely true. Sit around and wait for three years to come, 20 or two years, 2023 to come and expect things to get better. That's going to put them out of business. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It makes total sense. <laughs> A lot of that is going on now. I know that I've done with Drexel Brook and other companies, we've been doing virtual galas this year where we package up food and send it with a bottle of champagne or a bottle of wine to people's homes and they all dial in for a Zoom call and celebrate the gala yeah. from their homes and things like that are becoming you know, more and more commonplace every day. But uh, you know, uh, yeah, we had, I'm on a group called Entrepreneurs Organization and they usually have new members dinners and instead of that, and they, they don't, it's hard to deliver, you know, finished foods. So what they're doing is they would, they would bring someone on like Eugene, like a, like a chef who virtually shows you how to cook the food, send out the ingredients and you're on a zoom call where he's teaching you how to cook it. And you all cook together, you eat together, you drink together and you're smooth together at the end. I actually, so that's another great idea, you know, things I, like that. I created one of that for uh, the networking group that I that I belong to. Um, we I brought on one of my friends who's a chef, and she we did exactly that. Yeah. Um, and it was a very fun night to to you know drink and cook together. Right, that's a great idea, Mark. And let's <clears throat> get into the fiscal therapy solution available. Oh, hey, Everybody. Kevin, can I, Kevin, can I say one other thing? Yeah, sure. So I know you know this. I don't know if the others know. So I am a little bit, very, very slightly involved in the food industry. And then I'm an investor in Conchahawken Brewing Company. So they're in the food business. You know, they're in the, you know, the kind of, um, you know, lower cost food. Primarily their business is beer. So in Pennsylvania, as you know, you can do uh, beer delivery um, within the state. They, they're allowed to do that and, and food delivery. So they've done different like package type deals and, and, you know, that's another thing that people are having, like virtual gatherings. And another thing, creative thing, they happen to have connections at my club that I was telling you about. And they came up with an idea. I don't, it's not been announced yet, so I, but I guess I can say <laughs> that. They're, so they're, gonna, they're going to one of their beers that they introduced, which is a new Pilsner that everybody seems to love. They're, they're branding it to the name of the club. And, you know, that they're going to make that like, you know, Sundays you might have like wings and beer featuring the, the, the home label brew, brew, which I can't, you know, I shouldn't say the name of it. Yet, <laughs> right. No, not until it actually gets put out on market. <laughs> right, right. But, but anyway, the idea is that and they actually had come up with that idea through another club. So I'm sure they're going to be marketing that to all the clubs where their beer is carried and and, you know, you just creative ways to expand your markets and create new markets. That's, that's really what I, you know. So, and you guys are thinking about that, too. But that's just another example of, of how that's being done. Well, one of the other things that we, you know, focus on is how to save money. And a businesses right now need to pivot. With uh, third-party delivery systems, they charge, uh, I believe, 30% for, you know, for things to be delivered. One of our former uh, guests, Jules uh, Pizza, yes. 
was was contacting oh, yeah. me, contacted me and I helped them promote this, but they actually went through Craver, which is an online app, and they saved money on their end as well as our end as consumers um, for a delivery system that is more direct. It direct directly links through them. So that's something else that like I'm I'm gathering would be part of your process is, you know, having companies and people sit down and go through how they spend their money so that they can cut things that are, you know, not as useful useful. Absolutely. So Craver is a lot less than the 30% I, I take it. Or? Yes. <laughs> that's good to know. <laughs> But, but yeah, but absolutely. Looking at your, you got to go through all your costs. You got to look at your labor costs. You got to look at your food costs. You got to how to be more efficient, have less waste in food, which I know, in, as an example, the country club business is very difficult because you never know sure. who's going to show up on a given night. So what my club's done is they're requiring reservations for all, all the most events so that they know how much food to have available. I mean, there's... You know, all, all different ways to cut costs, but I absolutely agree with you, Amherst. That's your right Yeah. And now tying that into your book, I'm sorry, I feel like no, one I of want, you were no, in, I want you to. tying that into your book, The Fiscal Therapy Solution. Um, yes. This is your second edition that you're going to be promoting, correct? Uh, well, not really, to be honest. It's still 1.0 is the, is the name of it, but it's we had a relaunch and there was a little bit of material added. So this, when, it, when we get to 2.0, it's going to be like almost a rewritten book because I have a lot of new thoughts on the way I would present it the next time. But, but it, but it, but it's it, it is it does have some added material. Um, so now, are one of the chapters in, within that book uh, the processes that you take people through or walk people through? Um, is that is is saving money and in, in sitting down and just kind of going through your finances to see where you're actually spending money, so that you know your clients know, like, okay, where am I spending this? Is this of use? You know, how can I save? How can I, you know? continue to create that financial stability that you ultimately want them to be able to get to is that within that book oh yes yeah yeah and and the idea is not only how can you save what you're spending but also determining what's important to you you know where you're you know where you're spending money certain areas you might not be able to cut because they're important to you but then when that's all done of course the idea is how much can you accumulate you know people I have actually was on the phone today with a long-term client of mine and and we've gone through this process, but on their own, they kind of came to the conclusion. He and I actually meet weekly. We have like a little mastermind. And he said, look, we're, we're going at it again because we're getting really aggressive about this. And they're going through every credit card to see how they're spending their money. And I've gone through myself personally with my wife and we're probably going to do it again soon because, you know, people are spending a lot more money a lot less money on a lot of things. Obviously, they're not eating out as much. Right. Obviously, they're not doing as much entertainment or going to concerts, but they're spending a lot on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mark, you know, we got so, one. We got one minute left. I want uh, our master chef Gene Blum to. Uh, he has another question. Well, I really don't have a question. I kind of disagree with you on one thing. The food at Conshohocken Brewing is not just average. It is actually really good, <laughs> and. Oh, I didn't say average. I said lower cost. Okay. It is value-based. It is that. It's one of my favorite You have a really, really great location. Actually, all your locations. And obviously, you know, with 
you know, Glenn MacDowan and other people that are part of the association there and the group. You have a wonderful business there. But if anybody's not familiar with Contra Hocking Brewing, I do suggest you go out and try not only their mainstay beers, but their seasonal beers. You're in for a real joy. <laughs> yeah, we have a joke, a running joke. I have a bike riding group on Sundays and the Maybach, which is a, which is a fall beer, which they were serving <laughs> in almost the spring. But it's... A, which is um, which is one of those great seasonal beers. They do have great seasonal beers, and the food is excellent. I didn't mean to say otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mark, I'm sorry, but we're almost out of time. Uh, can you let us know how do I get the physical therapy solution, social media, etc.? So, well, a couple things. So, so, the book. If you want to get the book, the easiest way is Amazon. Okay, of course, it's the physical therapy solution. Uh, 1.0 and that's all you have to do and it, by the way it just recently hit the bestseller list wow so there's two there's two versions of it but the one that will come up first it, which is actually the i think the lower priced one that's listed they don't take their old listings down for gotcha. some reason yeah but, but that's but that is um that's available there um you can also go to my website i have two websites one is mark and my name's m-a-r-c markjbernstein.com and also the fiscaltherapysolution.com they go to the same place they'll both take you to the same place and that'll what and if i'm looking to invest money and stuff i is that the best way to do it also to get a hold of your partners uh, we'll just go to the website and and send us a message and we'll be glad to get in touch with absolutely and if they want to find you anywhere on social media do you have any handles I do, and I have someone that <laughs> handles it for me. <laughs> I, I, I wish I were better at that. Let me, let me, give me I, a second. I, might be I actually believe one of them is Mark J. Bernstein, and then there's another one that's got an underscore with your name. Gotcha. Well, on Facebook, Mark J. Bernstein is, is definitely on there. Um, I have an Instagram handle that is... Um, uh, <laughs> Inquiring <laughs> minds want to know. We can probably find it yeah, out and plug that it. later. Um, yeah, Facebook. Mark Mark J Bernstein um, on Facebook is a really good one. Excellent. All right. And Mark, I want to thank you again. What a what a high quality uh, thirty minutes that was. You you were awesome, my friend. I want to encourage our listeners. The fiscal therapy solution. Well, you guys are awesome. You're all great questioners, and you're all great conversationalists, and I hope we get to talk some more. And we enjoyed having you. Thank you, my friend. Thanks. Take care, Kevin. All right. All right. And his book is fantastic. And another thing is it's easy to read. A lot of people think financial books is going to be tough to read. It's actually very easy to read. Let's go to break. We'll be back with our Master Chef. Check out our new podcast, Learn About World Cuisine, where we travel to a different country from around the world each week and give you fascinating facts about both the country and the cuisine. Our world traveler gives you his real-life experience in the country, and our wine expert gives you the best wine pairings with your cuisine. Our podcast is available on all platforms, or you can simply Google Learn About World Cuisine to listen to the show. All right, we are back. Now is a, an exciting part of the show. I want to thank Mark. He was outstanding. He really but, was. But in studio, 
We have as a contributor, but he's in studio today, is our master chef, Gene Blum. Gene has cooked for the Pope. He's cooked at the Super Bowl for the Super Bowl players. Uh, he's one of the top highest resume chefs in the entire East Coast. Gene, let's talk about uh, cooking. Well, thank you, Kevin. The first thing I do want to qual- or clarify there is by culinary certification, I am not a master chef. <laughs> I am a step down. From, I am are. a step down from that, and I believe in the ACF certification world. Okay. So I don't want to label in myself. In our world. Out. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> it means a lot, and uh, like the military, there's a hierarchy in chefs. So I, didn't I even think like of that. to look yes, at that right. and and call people for what they really are, and that's a great thing. So going into some basic cooking, I, I thought it is very important this time of year while we're all sitting around and, you know, during the pandemic, uh, trying to hone our culinary skills and people were doing things that they never did before. And I don't know about the rest of the world, but, you know, last year when I tried to get yeast and I couldn't get yeast in any supermarket because no people, one could, right? People who never baked before in their life were trying to bake, you know, and, it was, it was a difficult time, but it's very important that people really learn a couple of the basics before you, you're taking on some cooking. And, and some of the basics can take you from being just an average home cook to, you know, an exceptional cook or an exceptional chef. Um, the one that I really go say, you know, is, is crucial – besides picking the right ingredients, is learning how to season and flavor. And there are two different things. Seasoning is bringing out the natural flavor or the natural flavors and the natural tendencies of food. Flavoring is introducing things. I want to talk a little bit about seasoning and a way to do that. And the most common thing is salt. Salt is the only rock that we eat. But it is much more than just a seasoning. It's an essential flavor. It also intensifies aromas, which is something people don't realize. That properly using salt makes food smell better and increases the aroma. And the first thing you really enjoy food with is your eyes. Second is your nose. And really great flavors come through and are tied to your nose. If you don't know, we have five basic tastes. Salty, bitter, sour, sweet, and then savory, which is also oftentimes called nami. Um, I refer to that as flavor without fat. It's a it's an Asian kind of thing, and the best representation of that is MSG. But salt in itself is easy. I mean, by learning how to <clears throat> one salt foods correctly in in, in correct time, two pick the right salt because all salts are not created equal. When I go in and teach a class, one of the first things I do all the time is go in and if I see table salt in the kitchen, I throw it in the garbage. Okay, get rid of table salts in the kitchen. It has a place other than baking, not really in the kitchen, but that's just me. So salt does not only increases the saltiness of food, it also curbs bitterness because it surpasses our perception of bitter. Uh, you'll often see in a lot of cookbooks, they'll tell you when you slice up eggplant, you salt it because the salt pulls out the bitter alkaloids in the, in the eggplant. 
false, no truth in that. What salt does is it surpasses our perception of the bitter alkaloids and the bitterness in there. It doesn't pull any of the alkaloids out of it. They're still there, okay? It so also it's, So it's just balancing it. It's just, ba- well, it's actually hiding the bitter, our perception of bitterness because the salt will balance that out to a degree, yes. But it also balances other flavors like sweet and sour. I mean, you couldn't have a good vinaigrette or really good dessert that has sweet and sour without salt in it. You need that in there. It often denatures or unravels tight protein spiral structures, which makes food even more tastier. That is the key to steaks and burgers. You need to salt them. You need to unravel or denature those proteins so the flavors really pour out. And in some instances, it actually adds texture. So I use a salt, a Maldon, which is, it's a French salt, it's a finishing salt. And it has this really great, like, large crystal structure, and it's flat, and I put it on salads. But when you bite into the salad with all the tender greens and everything, you get these crunches, and you get these little flavor bursts of salt that take place in your mouth. And it just, it's it's like eating Pop Rocks in some aspects. They're just salty. It's really a lot of fun. Um... And I will say that I love a sweet sweet and salty combination. Like we even have the I mean they're they could be better but the the bacon and maple donuts out mm-hmm. there. You know, it whenever you like but do a fa- flavor profile where you're contrasting of that sweet and salty, it's just it pops in your mouth. So I have at home uh, there's a company in Philadelphia called Philadelphia Distilling that makes moonshine. And moonshine is nothing more than bourbon that has not gone in the barrel for all intents and purposes. There's a little bit of difference, but but they make a salted caramel moonshine, or they call it salted caramel shine, that forget Italian rum cakes. Just make a sponge cake and pour this sucker over there, and you are in heaven, this salted caramel. Is know. that the, the um, distilling company that also has their a location on South Street? Uh I don't know if they have a location. They were, they were based out by the airport, Northeast Airport, for a long time. They just recently moved again um, to a different location. But they make – so they have the shines. They make a really wonderful vodka product, and they make Blue Coat Gin. And oh, they, I love make, Blue Coat Gin. And they make Blue Aston as well, So, which is you know a, a beautiful product in itself. So – one of the important things to know, too, about foods is salt is a preservative, so it draws moisture out. And it has to do with the salt content on the interior versus the exterior. So if the salt content on the interior is higher than that of the liquid surrounding it, it will actually pull moisture in. Why is that important? Brining. I love to brine things, brining turkey, brining a lot of different things. So what brining does is the brine solution is actually a little less sugar or a little less salt than the actual meat that you're putting it into. So it pulls that moisture in that brine in there. It's pulling it inside the meat. And then in doing so, it'll pull in sugar and other flavors that you add to it and really makes a big difference. So a couple things to know about salt that are also really important. Salt thickens sauces faster, okay? So it has an impact to when you, how you do that. It speeds up the cooking of vegetables. 
It breaks down those proteins is what it does in that particular situation. In the altering of proteins, it allows things to cook much faster. So before you cook food, what to do, what to salt, you know, how to salt, what should you salt before? Well, salting crisp vegetables that you don't want the, the liquid to bleed into the other things, salt them, draw that liquid out, then put it in. The best example of that, if you're making a cucumber salad and you don't want the cucumbers to bleed out the water into the sour cream, you want to salt those vegetables a little bit to draw out some of that, wash that excess salt off, and then put it in there. Grilled meats. You want to pull the moisture out of the grilled meat because that moisture on the surface then caramelizes and gives you that wonderful crisp outer coat on the steak, which helps seal in the juices so that the steak is really moist at the end. Dried beans. This is There's an old wives' tale that says if you salt beans or salt the water for beans, it takes them longer to cook. It's actually the opposite. If you add acid to it, it takes them longer to cook. If you add sugar to it, it takes them longer to cook. But if you add salt, it takes it actually speeds up the process and makes it it breaks down the cell wall. It changes the cell wall from magnesium to sodium if you're a chemistry geek like me. But that's just me. During cooking, um, you want to salt boiling or blanching liquids. That softens the fibers up. It makes things cook a little bit faster. It's a great thing to do. Pastas and potatoes, you want to salt them pretty heavily. You want that salt to get into the food and give it some flavor and do all that. It's really important. <clears throat> One of the other things that salt does is it prevents pasta from becoming sticky. When you cook starches, the starch tends to get on the surface, sticks together. Salt prevents that process from happening. Okay, And the last part of this is rice. You want to salt rice, but be extremely careful. Rice absorbs the flavor. So it's going to absorb all that liquid, all that starch, or all that salt. And then the last thing, starch thickened sauces. Sauces with starches, cornstarch, they take more salt than normal to give them flavor. The starches affect the starches affect the carbohydrates and they changes the protein. So you need to add more salt in that. And last but not least, you want to salt with finishing salts, things like Maldon or things like that. But the best advice I can give you as we're closing up, go into your kitchen, throw out anything you have besides diamond kosher salt and use diamond kosher salt. Anything that says when it rains, it pours or anything like that has other chemicals in it. <laughs> you don't get pure salt. How about that? That's it. Let's go to break. We'll be back with Chef Rocco. You can find the Dining on a Dime podcast on social media. On Facebook, Dining on a Dime, the number one. On Twitter, at Dining on a Dime, the number one. And on Instagram, KJW1972. Please subscribe to our show. We are available on all podcast platforms, including iHeartRadio and Spotify. And we are back. 
Well, good afternoon, everybody. Our next guest I'd like to introduce is Rocco Galelli, the principal and owner of Innovative Catering Concepts, the estate at Monroe in Williamstown, New Jersey, and past president of the Philadelphia Mobile Food Truck Association, as well as a good friend and uh, mummer, and was very uh, president of one of the mummers divisions. I don't want to misquote it, so I don't want to go there. <laughs> but you know, somebody that you'll often see in the streets of Philadelphia for the mummers parade and other things. Good evening, Rocco. Hello, guys. How are? How is everybody tonight? Outstanding. So I understand, Rocco, that we're uh, getting you right before you depart to head to Atlanta to do the media catering for the NBA All-Star Game. How'd that come about? Well, as you guys know, or I think you might have mentioned that uh, I've been fortunate enough over the last few years to have NFL Films as one of my clients. And I was down in Tampa this year. Um, and the CBS Sports uh, comp town was right next to us. So I ventured over to say hello, shake some hands, and uh, or actually fist pump some people. <laughs> and uh, they came to see our uh, came to see our setup, and they seemed to be mildly impressed. And here I get a phone call last Friday, and um, it was a young lady from Georgia. And I'm like, I don't know anybody in Georgia, so I didn't answer. I hear a text message or get a text message that it's uh, Jenny from TNT. I'm like, oh, I should call this back. So basically, the people from CBS Sports contacted TNT because of their close relationship and said, hey, this guy did a good job at the Super Bowl. He knew how to do COVID-compliant mass crew catering. Give him a call. And uh, I've... Talked to her on Friday, flew out on Tuesday into the site visit, flew back Wednesday, and now I'm loading up the truck, and we pull out in an hour and about an hour. So That's absolutely fabulous. I know that being around you for a number of years, uh, watching the business grow exponentially, you know, based upon just your simple principles of good quality food at very reasonable uh, prices, but also being able to deliver on extremely short notice. Uh, some years ago, I want to say probably about five, um, I want to remember that we were doing a debut for one of the big food companies. And at the very last minute, the day before the debut, uh, the food trucks that the company was providing were stolen. And we had to uh, go to get new food trucks, get them wrapped, and be in New York in about 12 hours. So you want to talk a little bit about some of the amazing challenges or one of the most amazing challenges that you've overcome in the last few years, besides that one in itself, which to me was rather amazing. Well, I mean, I think in this world, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention just the ability uh, during these COVID times to overcome the challenge of cancellation after cancellation or postponement after postponement. Um, so I've been blessed and very fortunate enough to be able to do a couple pivots um, throughout the last year and uh, still remain standing where some of my um, people in the business, some of my associates have ever is, haven't been as, uh, as beneficial or I should say as lucky as I am. But 
I mean, trying to overcome different things is just part of the job and will, will separate us from being able to, um, I like to think, uh, who can survive or who puts their head in the sand. You're not going to, you know, you can't hit the ball if you don't get into the game. So that's what we try to do. So getting into the game, um, you know, I my, through my relationship with you, we've been through Super Bowls, obviously the NBA, All-Star, uh, Field of Dreams, which was canceled last year at the last minute, Welcome America, Made in America, and then other events. Which of those events to you was the most memorable and kind of most unique event that you've taken place in in your career? Hands down, obviously, as a Catholic individual, feeding the uh, crew that put together the world meeting of families and being able to feed the Holy father twice. Um, and all of the people in the green room and people that put on that show about five years ago in Philadelphia, when uh, Pope Francis came to, uh, to Philly, that is the pinnacle of, you know, anybody's career. And uh, I mean, besides the birth of my kids and marrying my wife, that is the, best thing that's ever happened to me. Amaris is uh, all all warm and fuzzy with that comment there about your <laughs> yeah. wife and kids. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Now I don't have to call her later and <laughs> say anything to her about that. So tell us a little bit about what's going on in Atlanta. What what kind of numbers you're looking at? What kind of business you're doing? Uh, how many meals a day? What, you know, what, what are you expecting? Um, what I expect and what I'm probably going to get are two different things because things have been changing by the minute. Uh, within the last hour, they called me up and said to me, uh, we need your staff here earlier on Sunday. Do whatever you have to do to get them here earlier. We'll pay for it because uh, COVID protocols has to make sure that we test 24 hours prior to walking on the campus. So we're walking on the compound. So that's a good curveball that we're doing. But uh, we are presenting you know some good quality um covid compliant catering um with a philly twist um she said to me today she's like i saw in your mem uh, my my contact down there she's like i saw on your menu you sent me we're having cheesesteak egg rolls you know there's a group that just opened here that that features them i can't imagine what your egg rolls must taste like coming from philadelphia and i'm like with or without and she's like what do you mean I'm like, you got to ask if you want them with onions or without onions. I said, it's with, not with. I mean, you have to order like you're supposed to. And then she said, well, what about if I want fries? And I told her next window. I was was actually gonna. Hi, Rocco. This is Amaris. Um, I wanted to. (laughs) I wanted to find out like exactly how much goes into like prep work um, for for feeding feeding them. You know, I'm I'm sure it's a large quantity of food, but do you have to cater to different dietary needs when you're doing this, or was you know is this like a set menu where it's like you know a la carte? It's not a la carte. Um, basically, we set a menu every day, and we on every menu, I am very conscious about having something gluten-free, something vegetarian, something vegan, um, and just shy of you know nut allergies is the only other curveball that I get. Um, but we have a big sign that's up there. It's an honor to serve you. We appreciate the opportunity. 
If anyone has any special dietary restrictions or allergies, please contact the manager and we, uh, we adjust accordingly. Every day we do breakfast is pretty standard with your normal breakfast foods. We give them an option of meat or no meat, um, cheese or no cheese. Um, with the eggs, we do egg souffle, we do omelets, we'll do, um, we always put a little bit of Philly in there, so I bring the scrapple, and it's very <laughs> interesting when they say, what's that? And I'm like, don't ask. Um, we bring the pork roll, and it's very popular for those up in the um, those up in the Northeast. They understand what that is. Anywhere else in the country, pretty much they have no idea. Um, and when you try to order it, they have no idea what it is either. <laughs> um, I was in Tampa, and I went to the purveyor, and I'm like, I need pork roll. He said, you need what? I'm like, Taylor Ham. I Jesus. feel. I said I'm not real picky. Give me kick, kick me one that you you, you know. Like, nope. <laughs> I feel like, John cringing right now, like from far away. You're right, our <laughs> So, so um, going forth, yeah. I mean, what? So NBA All Star Game. Uh, I'm. I know that you'll be at the Super Bowl the next four years, I believe, if I'm correct. Oh wow. Um, you know what? Um, well, I mean, they've already talk to me. I mean, listen, I, I, I'm fortunate enough to be in a position I think now is, is was my sixth actual Super Bowl in recognition, fifth that I was able to serve. Unfortunately, the only Super Bowl that I was not able to serve was Super Bowl 52, and we all know what happened at that <laughs> one. Uh, in Minnesota, um, I take care of the international broadcasting compound. The International Broadcasting Compound is involved with all the NFL film skies and all the international broadcasters, all the ESPN, all the NFL network people. They're the ones that we service there. Well, in Minnesota, it was so cold, they didn't have portable trailers because they wouldn't be able to heat them. So they put everybody in one big building. And then as soon as it goes in the building, some of the big boys have to have the contracts on the building, like your Sudexos, your Aramarks. They're the ones that took care of them. But another highlight of my career is that we were contracted to take care of all the food at the Philadelphia Eagles parade. Hmm. So that was great. We did all the crew catering. We put together all of the um, food trucks on the street, all the concessions, worked closely with the city and the city coordinators. And it's nothing great better than when you're, you're sitting there partying or having a good time and celebrating a team that, you know, it was a true underdog Cinderella story, whatever you want to call it, and being able to be a part of it and have like front row seats to it. <laughs> Absolutely. I, you know, I think it's important that people understand too, you know, the quality of your client bases and Welcome America is a big reflection of that, you know, having done both the mayor's reception tent, but more importantly, you know, 1,500 people for Wawa. At a picnic. And, you know, Wawa, as particular as they are, you know, to select you and, and gone through so much with them. So if you can, you know, talk a little bit about that whole Wawa thing. We've been fortunate enough over the last, I think it's four or five years to um, be chosen to be the uh, caterer for the Wawa family picnic. And what's been great about catering the Wawa family picnic or being accepted is that the first time they came out, and when I say they, they didn't send their managers out to talk about a menu or their catering coordinator, event coordinator. 
They sent their QC team. They sent their quality and control team out to meet me, to tour my facility, to review my uh, serve safes, to review my board of health inspections, to ask me how I uh, how I travel, how I um, how I transport the food, the hot food, how I transport the cold food. And, you know, we were very conscious of that. We, hi- we hire an independent um, QC person on our side that makes sure that? that we are in line. <laughs> I'm sorry? Who was that? Gene's like, wait a minute, I want um, in. <laughs> it's a um, gentleman that um, he's a uh, coordinator at a college nearby. Um, and he, um, he's very uh, specific about his demands. And uh, sometimes, I mean, and you thank God that there's not a pretty girl around, too, because (laughs) she can get distracted. Um, Thank you. My wife will appreciate that. A a roast pork sandwich or a pretty girl will distract them momentarily, and then we're able to get stuff by. Hey, Chef, Chef, it's Kevin Wilson. Uh, Listen, I have a question for you. Uh, We have a couple minutes left. I want to have some fun. Just a quick question. What's your favorite thing to cook? Or what is what is close and dear to your heart? I I'm going to go probably very unique. I like to make and I'm probably going to get cringed with some <laughs> of the people. I like to make a, a breast of veal. Nice. Um growing up that was one of my favorite Christmas dinners, uh stuffing uh, the breast with the bone, you know, the breast of veal with um the stuffing and, and having it bake and just cutting it uh, through the uh, the ribs the way it is. I mean, not everybody eats veal. I love it. And to have the breast of veal, you know, you, you need to have a good butcher to be able to provide that to you. And it's a, it's a piece of, of a delicacy that's just not around anymore. That's one of my favorite things. That's awesome. And Chef Nate, I just want to let you know real quick, Chef Nate was on the show and he did an outstanding job. Uh, so you, uh, let's promote you, though, Chef. Uh, is there a way that regular people can eat your food? Uh, you know, talk um, about your business. Are we, I mean, Innovative Catering Concepts is based out of our location in uh, Williamstown, New Jersey. Uh, right now we're available on all the different social media sites, uh, Facebook, Instagram, um, you can either follow me personally at Rocco Galelli or Innovative Catering Concepts on any of the regular sites. Our websites right now are under reconstruction um, because we're separating the brands. Um, our food truck brand is uh, Philly Eats. Uh, we represent Philly Fry, Philly Eats, and um, uh, Goodfellas by Innovative Catering. So that's our food truck brand. Our Hall is the estate of Monroe in Williamstown. Nice. And our catering company is the estate of Monroe. I mean, to be honest with you, Kev, Gene, John, Amherst, everyone else, the reality it is, is I'm only as strong as my team. Right. Chef Nate is a, the pinnacle of my team. He got operated on last Monday with his back. He's in, he's in recovery now. He's in a lot of pain, mm. but I would not be able to take on half the things that I take on or say yes to even a third of the things I say yes to if I didn't have confidence in my team from my GM, my operations, my salespeople, right on down to the utility workers that help us out on a regular basis. I'm blessed to have a strong team around me, a loyal team, 
and we're always looking to add on to that team and to uh, become a part of our family. And I'll tell you what, your resume is second to none. I mean, there's 50 states. I was telling Chef, there's 50 states. They could have picked anyone to do these jobs, and they picked you. So I'm happy that you got out the word, you know, where people can find you. Uh, final thoughts from uh, Chef Gene. Just want to wish you the very best, and uh, good luck down there. I will see you upon return, and uh, look forward to a great summer of uh, wonderful events. Um, and well, I'm guys, just so you know that if God forbid anyone on my team happens to test hot for uh, COVID, uh, I'm going to need 15 people <laughs> on a couple hours notice. So everyone is officially on this line <laughs> on notice. I may need you to fly in and help. <laughs> uh, Amherst, final thoughts for Chef. I was going to say, um, first off, I want to say thank you, you know, for for calling in and in talking with us. Um, and good luck with your next event, you know, safe, safe travels and hopefully everything goes smoothly. Um, and then thank also so I want to, I, hmm? I, I thank you so much. No problem. And I want to extend to help, um, quick healing vibes to, uh, chef Nate so that he, you know, recovers and then Philly fry. I've had their, their, their food before. So good. Yes. And Chef, I want to thank you very much. I'm so happy you were able to let us all know uh, about innovative catering concepts. Uh, good luck on your trip, and I want to thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, guys. It was a great opportunity. Please stay he- stay safe, stay healthy, and keep cooking and uh, getting to the other side of this mess that we're in. I hear you. Thank you, Chef. Good luck, my brother. Take, uh, take care, guys. Take care. God bless. And in, innovative catering concepts is a big deal. I mean, they're catering for the NBA All Star Game. They're catering for, for the, the NFL. Yeah, like and, and the Pope. It doesn't get better than the Pope, right, Gene? The Pope, and you'll see them as the coordinators for Welcome America. Wow. Very active in Made in America. They do national food tours. And I keep um, telling you, there's 50 states. Yep. These guys have the money to pay for anybody, and they pick Chef Nate right in Williamstown, New Jersey. And these are not small events. All right, these are know, big deals. Yeah, like I, I covered Wawa Welcome America Festival, and it's... Amherst, well, let's get our tags in. Yeah, Amherst sorry. Pollock, where can we find you? <laughs> um, you can find me across most social media under my name, Amaris Pollock, A-M-A-R-I-S-P-O-L-L-O-C-K, or using my handle at A-R-P-O-L-L-O-C-K-U-S. Chef? You can find me under Gene Blum, or you can find me under ibfoodie2 uh, on social media, or you can email me direct at ibfoodie, the number two, at yahoo.com. And Chef Nate did an awesome job on our show. Go to our archives, Philly Restaurant Reviews with an S.com, and you can listen to 115 different episodes on my website. I want to thank everyone for joining us, and we will talk to you soon. You can now listen to all of our past Dining on a Dime podcast, plus see over 600 restaurant reviews with photos by going to www.phillyrestaurantreviews.com.